listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma, and I'm your host, Trish Close. Today's episode brought to you by Tap and Vine 559, the place to eat meat and drink in Southern Oregon. Ellen Marie Bennett, do I need to say anything else? <laughs> Founder of Headley and Bennett, apron and workwear company. Also, she wrote a business book, Dream First, Details Later, How to Quit Overthinking and Make It Happen. She says it's the most colorful book you'll find on the shelves. This dynamic human, I've actually chatted with her before back in April of 2021. It's episode 129, if you want to go take a listen. She says a lot of things have changed since I chatted with her last on the personal side and also on the business side. A lot of changes within Headley and Bennett. And she said she was driving that vehicle to make those changes. A lot of things she was prepared for, some she wasn't, but she said when it comes down to it, all of the changes are good and they're moving forward. One cool change with the company, knives. They came out with a line of chef's knives, very popular. And we talk about what's next, what's coming up with Headley and Bennett, what's on the horizon, very exciting. A few completely random questions asked by yours truly, a lot of fun. But we also talked about comparison, and I'm gonna steal this, how it's the thief of joy. It's been a theme in my life lately, whether it comes to my circle or people I've interviewed. We're talking a lot about comparison and why it's so important not to compare yourself with others. And she weighs in on that. Here's Ellen Marie Bennett. You know, I'm not used to doing these at five o'clock at night. That's I know. It's all good. We're both rowing out here in the unknown territory of the evening. I mean, this is West Coast time. It's five. East Coast time. It's eight. You've been up since seven. I don't even know how we're going to get through the next like 45 minutes. We're gonna make it happen. Got this. Um, Ellen Marie Bennett, uh, I've chatted with you before, episode 129 for for everybody. It's so good to see you again. Um, thank you, thank you for being here. This is incredible. Thank you for having me. Um, okay, I want to introduce you properly. Founder of Headley and Bennett, apron and workwear company. You wrote a book. Dream first, details later, how to quit overthinking and make it happen. We chatted about the book a lot. A lot has changed since I talked to you last. You you produced a, a human. You made a human. I made a human. Isn't that wild? He's he's adorable. He's absolutely adorable. I also saw on um, Instagram rough week last week for you and the fam. Yeah, yeah. The doozy of, of babies being sick is not not pretty. Well, I've heard ear infection, right? It was an ear infection? Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard ear yeah. infections are gnarly, gnarly, gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I think they really kind of knock the wind out of you, but he's on the up and up and doing so much better. Therefore our lives are so much better. Well, when baby's happy, mama's happy, right? hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So I wrote down some conversation highlights from the last time we chatted, which by I the way, it. I felt so I felt so privileged because this interview, the last time we chatted, went it was published, I believe, the day you went on Ellen. <laughs> oh wow. There you go. Amazing. I literally was like texting people. I'm like, look at Ellen. You guys, she's on my podcast. I felt so super cool. Um oh, I love these are the highlights from, from our last chat. Uh, you moved to Mexico when you were 18 to follow your dreams of cooking. You had a thousand okay. jobs, including announcing lottery numbers in Spanish. You moved back to LA to pursue that job in cooking. You realized aprons were shit. You um, decided to make a change. Your current boss needed some. You lied and said, I can do it. You started small, grew in a big way, and your book came out in 2021. 
Wow. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yep. That's about right. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, a question for you, first of all, is how have things been going? Again, you're East Coast right now. So you're yeah. you're busy, busy, busy. You have not slowed down a minute. Yeah. So we were that pot. The podcast was what? 2020, 2020. Let me double 2021. Yeah. 20, it was 2021, 2021. Yeah. Cause the book came out in 2020. yeah, 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So since then we've launched knives at Headley and Bennett. So now we call ourselves a culinary brand, which is awesome. And that's been a whole new vertical and product channel for us, which is wild and exciting considering I did aprons for literally 10 years and the knives have been such a big leap of faith for us. And they really have been received with arms wide open and people are loving them. They're basically almost sold out, which is incredible because they've only been on the market for a month, a month and a half. Um, and they're amazing. And we develop them with chefs and people just love not only the aesthetic of them, but also how they feel and how they cut at the end of the day, we're all about quality. You know, I'm obsessed with quality. So the knives have been a raging hit and I'm so proud of the team for launching that. I had Nico, which was like the craziest wild change of my life ever. And because of that, I decided I wanted to kind of step back from the day to day and instead take a more like chairman of the board role. And so we hired a president. So now I have a president that runs the company and I'm chief brand officer, but like externally. And then I, you know, manage our, our board and all of that has been a lot of change. And I think change is hard and changes change, depending on the speed of change is even harder, right? If things are changing very quickly, you can like, you almost like don't assimilate it as fast as when change happens slowly. And I've had a lot of like quick and slow change. And so it's just been a year of like, holy cow, uh, which is why I'm on a little workcation right now, just taking a moment to reset and like find myself get grounded through all of these shifts. Well, you know, my mama used to say the only thing we can depend on is change. Like that's really. The- oh, I love that. Isn't that good? It's really good. The only- it's true. I, I really believe that if you don't make changes, the changes happen for you. And so you might as well be driving the damn car, right? When those changes happen. And I, I knew that the change of, you know, having a baby and hiring a CEO or a president, all those things were going to be big changes for me, but I made those changes begin. So I felt like at least I was the instigator of them. Well, even if they're hard. Well, when you make the changes happen, I was just going to say that even the hard ones, you're in control. And I, I don't want to put a label on you, but I feel like you're somewhat of a control freak. Maybe not. Yeah. Full stop. I'm I'm proudly, proudly. And, and this year has been, or last year has been a lot of me learning how to let go of the steering wheel and have other people own stuff and have that change happen and brutal, 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 like really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, really hard. When you, before you even got pregnant, did you consider yourself like, I'm going to be the mom that works or I'm going to be the mom that takes a break and stays home? I definitely was like, I'm going to be the mom that works. And then I had Nico, and then I was the mom that stayed at home. And it was a really kind of hard realization how much work goes on to mothers. And I literally came back after my maternity leave and we 
created a paternity and maternity leave for the whole company and increased it to three months for everybody. Cause I was just like, this is psychotic. Like you can't do this on your own and you can be a superhero, but like mothers need help and fathers need help and everybody needs to help each other. And we're in a modern time where like, you know, my husband gets up at night to help me with Nico. It's not just like me by myself doing it. Um, and everybody deserves that. So I also, it definitely has opened my mind a lot for sure. I'm like, I have a very different perspective on parenting now. I, I just feel like anyone that is a parent, it's a full-time job to be a parent. So if you have a job job on top of that, like a different job, you basically are like moonlighting with your work job. Seriously. Literally. Uh, you, literally. Seriously. And I have friends who did that. They were like, hey, I'm going to have this baby. I'm not going to quit my job. I'm, I'm going to go back to work. And they quit because it was like, yeah. no, like they had, they were so conflicted. They were so torn when that maternity, that last day of maternity leave and that yeah. Monday rolled around and it was this like totally. deep, dark place for them. And they just said, yeah. I can't, I can't, I, I need to be here for my kid for these yeah. first few months or years or whatever. And so it sounds like that happened to you too. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. It definitely shifted my whole perspective. And I think that as a founder, I became a lot more empathetic of my staff too. And people that I've known that have kids and like, now I understand what they've been through. And, you know, when you're a founder, I, I feel like the last nine years of my life, I've just been like, I could not look backwards. I could only look forwards. And every step I took was towards this goal and nothing else mattered. And then you have a child and you're just like, whoa, the world is bigger than just your work and there's other things. And that was, that was a big, big shift in my, in my world. Uh, perspective, right. Puts everything in yeah, perspective. Exactly. Perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about being a founder for a quick second. Um, I think since we've chatted, I don't know if it's because I've talked to you and we totally hit it off and became like best friends, whatever. But um, I see Headley and Bennett everywhere. America's Test Kitchen are wearing your aprons. Yes. I'm very proud of that one. It's it's like so nerdy, but they're, they know what's up. And so the fact that they wear our aprons, I'm like, this is so awesome. They you do. guys are my my nerdy rock stars. They do know what's up for sure. I was at a winery in Portland, Oregon. Um, we ordered some meatballs, one of my favorite things on the planet. She comes out. She's wearing a Headley and Bennett apron. And I. it was like I saw Britney Spears. I was like, oh, my God, you're wearing a Headley and Bennett apron. Huh. And she goes, who? And I was like, oh, honey. Mm. She didn't know, but I knew. And that's yeah. all that mattered. That's amazing. All that matters. Well, I hope she knew after you left her. Oh, she did. Trust me. <laughs> she was embarrassed. More and more chefs on social media that I'm seeing, I see the ampersand and it's just, it's now becoming mainstream. Like when you started this again in a kitchen, aprons were falling apart. You're like, these things are shit. The chef yeah. came, came to you and said, I need aprons. And you're like, well, I can do it. Did you yeah. ever think this would be where you are. It's that whole dream first details later. I mean, listen, I think about where we are right now and I'm just like, we're at the first inning as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. I, this whole universe of like knives and everything beyond there and being able to outfit the whole kitchen and make people feel confidence no matter who they are, 
or how little experience or a lot of experience they have, or if they're the dishwasher or the executive chef, like to me, that's so many more people than we've been able to touch. So I'm really excited about what the future like it holds for us. And I think that having a president has allowed me to kind of take off some of the burden to be able to like be excited about the future. Cause I know if there's founders listening, like the, the path is brutal. Like I talk about it in my book, it's like, they're not bumps in the road. They are the road. There's no like alternative path that doesn't have uh, bumps. And I've been through a shitload of bumps, as you know. And um, now I'm like, oh, wow, I actually have this like second life to do my business without being the windshield to every single thing that happens. I now have like this crew of people that get to help me. And that's really exciting. And anyway, to answer your original question, like, it's so exciting to see the aprons everywhere. And now it's even more exciting to get to offer all those people wearing my aprons, our knife, and then our future cutting board, and then the future thing, right? It's like, we're building out a little ecosystem around this beautiful product that makes people feel so proud to be in the kitchen. A a thousand percent. And I think, you know, for you, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of have that mindset of, if I can't find something that's good, good enough for me, I'm going to build it myself. Totally. Yeah. I love, that's my, Trish, that's my favorite thing to do. I love to see it in my head and then make it come to life. Like that is my number one joy in anything. Mm -hmm. It's like looking at an empty room and imagining how I can decorate it or looking at, you know, a blank slate and being like, we're going to make it look like that. It's just the imagination coming to life is really thrilling to me. It's more thrilling to me than maybe any other part of of the business um, other than our community, which is really stunning and magical and definitely makes it worth getting up in the morning and like fighting the good fight through all the nonsense that comes with running and owning a business. So hiring this president, is this allow you to, I don't want to say step back, but does this allow you to look at things from kind of like up here and be more creative? Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. And I think like, you know, I I never, ever, ever want to forget where this started and reminder to anyone listening that like the path that I've been on to get here has been absolutely like mayhem, but that it is possible to get to this stage where you not only made it through the, all the hoops and that you got to a place where you had enough resources to hire other people that could help you further. And then they take the torch and then they keep carrying it. And then you're there to help them do bigger and better. But I had to have a lot of um, honest conversations with myself about things that I wasn't good at so that I could let go of stuff and say, you know what, I'm probably not the best person to run the company at this stage of the business. I probably could hire somebody to do finance. And I wish I would have said that to myself earlier. I, that's like, if sometimes people ask me like, what's your one regret or whatever, I would, I don't call it a regret because I learned a lot, but if I could have had the kind of vision of what the future was like, I would have gotten help on certain areas much earlier than I did instead of grinning and bearing it. I grinned and bared a lot of challenge on finance, on people, on operations, on all kinds of stuff. And I needed more help than I gave myself credit for Like, and I, and now I understand how I see it loud and clear. 
Well, did you grit and bear it? Or did you think like, I can do it. I want to do it. I want to have control over this. It's kind of the same thing sometimes. Like sometimes you grinning and bearing it is you being like, I can do it. I can do it. I can just do it. I'll just keep doing it. And you know, the definition of insanity is like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. And I can't tell you how many times I did that with like, I would hire people in a very haphazard fashion. I'd be like, you seem nice. Great. Let's work together. And it's like, it's not the right fit. And, and yet now they're working for you. Right. And so there were things that I learned along the way that are just like, a lot of people make those mistakes and not a lot of people talk about those mistakes. And then you're like, God, I'm such an idiot for having done that. It's like, no, you're not. I did that mistake too. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Just learn from it and try again. Yeah. I find that not the same. I'm not comparing whatsoever, but I I run into, um, you know, just sort of this end of the road where I'm like, I don't know what to do next. And I just find myself like Googling it. Like Google will have the answer. They have to. Um, but I think it's, um, it's an important message and it kind of means you're grown up when you can go, I need help here. I need help. hundred percent. There is no shame in not knowing something. And in fact, if you can have no ego and just be willing to admit to yourself, like, I don't know this, I don't know that. And ask the questions, ask the dumb questions, ask the dumbest questions in the room. Cause guess what? There's a lot of people faking it out there that don't ask the dumb questions and they don't make progress. They're just stagnantly standing right where they are, pretending like they know everything and making zero forward progress. Which is dangerous. It's very dangerous because remember what we said earlier, if you don't make the change, the world makes the change for you. Yeah, and that's dangerous. Uh, We're going to continue our conversation in a hot second. First, a message from today's sponsor. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tap and Vine 559. The place for that drink after work. Choose from a long list of local wine, craft beers, and ciders on tap. The place for lunch or dinner. Shareable bites, fresh salads and bowls, and mouth-watering sandwiches and entrees. Come with a friend, the family, or book Tap and Vine for your next party or event. More information at tapandvine559.com. Tap and Vine 559, the place to eat, meet, and drink in Southern Oregon. I want to talk about the book for a hot second. What kind of feedback did you get? I I feel like, I mean, did you get emails from people that were like, Ellen Marie Bennett, you changed my life? I got a lot of DMs like that. Yeah. Where people, you know, were saying where I've been on this journey trying to figure out like what I'm going to do next. And I was just too afraid to make the next move. And you gave me the guts to kind of just do it. And it's, I take screenshots every time, every single time. It's so special and really, truly the reason why I did it. I mean, it's like a pep talk to anyone out there trying to do something and being afraid. And it's just, sometimes you need somebody to help you leap off the fucking dock Mm -hmm. into the ocean of life. And, um, a lot of people have leaped off that dock because of the book. And that's really so special to me. And I think the other thing that a lot of people realized is that, it's not been all rainbows and butterflies. Mm -hmm. And that even if you look on my Instagram and it's very colorful and happy and whatever, that there's a lot of shit that's happened behind the scenes to help to get us where we are. And, and that's just like, it's not, it's not exclusive to the people reading the book, right? Like everyone goes through the hardships 
So just don't feel like you're alone. Well, you said that when we chatted last time that starting a business is not, if you hear from those people who are like, yeah, I had this great idea and uh, the next day I had investors and boom, here's my product. That's not yeah. reality. That's not reality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, totally. you said that and last time we chatted. And if it's, is their reality, there's a lot of context that you're missing. You're missing, you know, what is the context of where they were born, who their parents are, how much money they have in their bank. Like there's a million things that will make certain paths easy, but just because your path is not easy doesn't mean your path is impossible. Like you absolutely can do the things you want to do. You need to think about things like product market fit and what are the things that you're trying to sell and do people actually want it? And does it, does it fit what people are looking for? And is there a lot of competition in that world? Like, those are the things you want to ask yourself, not like, oh my God, comparing yourself to whatever, somebody on the cover of Forbes magazine. Like, that's just lame and waste time. Comparison is a fucked up game that I definitely played it when I first started and it wasted a lot of my energy. I mean, oh, I just, I love the fact that you just said that. I interviewed a food blogger a few weeks back and I'm going to post this little clip from our interview. Um, Her best advice was... The answer to that question, best advice you've ever been given, was don't compare yourself to others. And she actually quoted um, Theodore Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy, because 100%. she basically said when she stopped comparing herself to others, that's when she really took off. When she said, I'm going to stay in my own lane and do my own thing. Um, and I think comparison truly is, I've been comparing myself to other things in the last few days. And my husband's literally been like, stop it. Stop. You're stop. your exactly. own person. Like do your own thing. Stop comparing yourself to others. And we all have our own special sauce. We have our own quirks that make us different and unique. And when people are like, oh, she's like so weird or different, whatever. It's like, you know what? That's what makes her cool and unique. And we want different. You want, because I think that's where people latch on to certain energy. You're like, oh, that's a cool new restaurant. That's a, they've got great new food. They have a different perspective. It's different is what people are liking. So don't be afraid to be different. Yeah. Uh, be, yeah. Stand out there by yourself. It's, it's all stand good. out there by yourself. Yeah. Did you- by the way, as a kid, I was such a weirdo. Like so many people were like, your hair looks like cave woman. You're whatever. Like I just, <laughs> didn't fit into anything because everybody wanted to be an actor and I wanted to cook. And like, now I look back at that time and I was one of the only people from my school that like pursued their dreams and actually like went out and did something. So if you're weird, like fucking fly that freak flag, embrace it, embrace Embrace the difference, embrace all the weirdness. Do you think that the story about the, you know, someone talking about how they were jumping off the dock because, you know, they read your book. Is that why you wrote it for that? Or did you, I mean, did you write it for you? Did you write it for others? No, I wrote it to show people how you could do something out of nothing with very little Mm -hmm. and that it is possible. And I think it's important for people to see others that are not like everyone else, like that Ellen is different from all the other people. And that I'm like, you know, Mexican woman started it with $300 out of my house, raised by a single mom, like all these things that just made me very different. Right. I didn't, I don't have an MBA. I didn't go to business school, but I had an idea and I had a vision of what I wanted to accomplish. And I wanted to 
create confidence in the kitchen and be the Nike of the culinary world. And that was like, that was the goal. And I set out to do it and it's been a fucking wild journey, but here I am standing talking about it with you today. Therefore it is possible. That is why I wrote the book to show people the possibility and, and to show people that there is an alternative path that you don't have to only go raise money. You can do it with loans. You can do it with all kinds of other verticals to get to where you want to be. And to stop overthinking so much. Exactly. Oh my God. I mean, that's the, that's the headline of it all. It's just like, start, you have an idea, start. If the idea is not working, then edit it, pivot, tack like a sailboat. You know, you just want to be like adjusting course Mm -hmm. till you're finding the right thing. I always like to remind people like Slack, you know, that company, the texting service for, for businesses, um, that company was born within a failing other business. And now it's IPO'd. It's a huge enterprise, mm-hmm. but they were willing to look at what other things can we do. And then this major thing happened. So maybe your initial idea fails, mm-hmm. but you're on the path. So you're actually learning more than just imagining what it could possibly be. Um, anytime someone says pivot, I just think of Ross and Chandler and Rachel moving the couch up the stairs in the Friends episode. And he's like, pivot. 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 I totally remember that. <laughs> um, let's talk about the knives because I saw this. I saw the knives coming out and I emailed you and I was like, knives, holy shit, we have to talk about this. Where'd this idea come from? Again, I kind of asked you, is it one of those things where you couldn't find the knife that you wanted? So you just created your own? Yeah. So we were thinking about like, okay, our customers have been basically demanding for a long time. Like what other things are you guys going to make? What what else can I get? That is the heavily embedded world. And I worked a lot with our team to basically kind of hone in on if the apron is on your body, what is the first extension of your body? It's your hand. The tool that you use the most is the knife. If you have a great knife, you can feel amazing in the kitchen and you have trust and confidence in yourself because you're just slicing through things and you feel energy and you're just like, woo, this is awesome. But if you have a crappy knife, you're literally slicing through a tomato. And it's like, you know, when it sort of like goes, you know, like you can't get through it and the skin is sort of bulging on the sides and it's a disaster. And then it gets mealy and then you feel like a turkey. You don't want that. Nobody wants that. And most people have dull knives in their kitchen. Therefore, why not upgrade the tool you use every day? Also, it's incredibly dangerous. Incredibly dangerous. Also, a great knife like ours, we didn't we made them very specifically not super expensive, but very specifically designed by chefs. So it's like lightweight and we fixed all the things that these like other brands don't do because they just made them for home cooks, air quotes. And it's like, no, no, no. Make a knife for chefs that home cooks can use. And that's what yeah. we did. Yeah. There you go. Um, I heard you say cutting board. Is that next? Yes. We're working on, yep. And a, like a whole system so that you can put the knives in your drawers, keep them nice and sharp. We're working on a lot of things for the kitchen that are really essential. Nothing, nothing that's just like, cute and frivolous, but really things you need. Um, when you just said that you're like, you just like started to like, like really get like happy and cheery and smiley. Not that you have, you've been that way the whole time. Yeah, 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 you're yeah, like, yeah. you're kind of lit up when you said that. 
I mean, it's exciting. It's also been a long time dream of mine to be at a place where the company could do more than just aprons. Like imagine for 10 years we did aprons and now we're doing other products. It's like having a second child. Well, it lights your fire, right? And it, that's yeah. where change can be good. Change is positive exactly. because it, it gets those creative juices flowing and then you're like, oh shit, what else? What else? What else? What else? Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. That's super exciting. Um, I'm very particular when it comes to cutting boards. I mean, I'm just saying if you Ooh. guys want my input, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I mean, I'm super going to take you up on that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I will. I got a cutting board for Christmas. I'm not dropping it. It's it starts with the B. Booze block. Yeah. Oh, I think booze block is great. It starts with the B. <laughs> I too have a booze block at home. I think they're great. Great they're wonderful. Blocks. They're just they're massive. They're huge. They're heavy. They are heavy. And I will say I have um I like to keep all of my cutting boards in really tip top shape. And when you have a solid wood cutting board, a lot of people are like, oh, they don't take that much maintenance. They actually do. They do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. They need a little bit of a oil now and then. They need to be sanded I mean, sometimes. You don't to be want gross, them to but you got you got to lube them up every time. Like for the most part, after you use them, you got to lube like lube everything yeah. up. Make Ooh, it all you're like a very very good cutting board owner. I'm. I definitely do not lube my cutting board after each time. <laughs> Um, I do. I like to take care of all of my utensils um, because like you, you know, that's the kitchen is my safe place. It's my happy place. And when you do have, especially when you've invested so much money in an apron or a knife or a cutting board or a skillet, I mean, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. Totally. Yeah, it's true. It's like beauty tools, right? You have great makeup brushes. You want to take care of them. This is essentially the knife of your beauty tool, but of the kitchen. Your blush brush of of your your kitchen. Your blush brush of of steak. Exactly. Um, I want to briefly talk about the pandemic. I hate talking about the pandemic, but we have to because it was such a huge thing in all of our lives. It was something that we all have in common. Um, we were the middle somewhat of a pandemic when we last talked, it was April of 2021. How, it was very much the middle. Yeah. Middle schmiddle. Um, how did it affect you? Good, bad, ugly? Uh, well on the business side, it forced us to do things that we would have probably not done. We wouldn't have done on our own. So for example, we used to do all of our own fulfillment. We shifted to external fulfillment at that point. We used to, do a lot of things internally that we outsourced after that, like customer service we outsourced, but did it in such a way that it just made us more kind of like lean and having less overhead so we can put everybody that was on the payroll in like really um, key new positions that just helped grow the company in ways that we needed help on. And doing things like that was not something that we had thought about before. Also, it shifted how we managed our supply chain, which is just like nerdy and not sexy. But every time we order something, you know, if you have it shipped from somewhere far away, it would get stuck in the ports that everyone was talking about. You know, those mountain, those photos on New York Times were like the ports were stacked up with the big cargo um what are they called? The the freight cubes, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the freight cars. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, the freight cars. And so we adjusted everything to be in basically North America. Those are massive, massive changes that were hard to do, but it really helped us. And then this is something I love to tell people that are like, what do I do? How do I take my company to the next level? We cut our long tail. So what the heck does that mean? Like in most businesses, 80%, 20% of your revenue is coming wait, how does it go? It's 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your SKUs. So essentially it's like a small pool of SKUs. They're producing a ton of money for you, but yet people have a ton of money peanut buttered across their company in hundreds of SKUs. So if you can cut the long tail, concentrate your SKUs, Make those SKUs be something that can be sold all year long and it's less like seasonal, but more evergreen. Mm. You actually can do a lot better, you know, management of your cash flow because you're not having to buy 800 different SKUs for 800 different things when, you know, maybe you only sell one of these bottles a month, but you're like, oh, but I love that bottle. It's like, no, cut the bottle that's not selling, get rid of that bottle. So we did a lot of that during COVID. That was a very thorough answer. I hope that's okay. No, it is. Um, I I think because I've heard so many success stories from people through the pandemic, which it's like hard for them to even admit because it was such a horrendous time in our lives. It was just tragic on so many different fronts. And they're like, the pandemic was actually really good for me because it was very successful. I started doing this thing at home and then that became, you know, big on YouTube and now I have this business. And so, yeah. you know, I'm, I was just curious if like the pandemic, I know it changed the business side, but do you find that there were some successes from that? Yeah. I mean, I think everything I just mentioned to you mm-hmm. were hard changes that to me were successes, even if it was challenging. Um, I also feel like they were long-term changes that we wouldn't have done because when you're in the day-to-day, you're just right here. You're just looking at what's the next step. What are you going to do? And when something comes into your life like COVID and blows it up, you're all of a sudden looking at it from a whole new vantage point. And I think that's a horrible, but very crazy gift we all got that in a brief moment in time, everyone just like stopped at the same time and and had an opportunity to look at what was in front of them. And we really looked and we really looked and we said, there's a bunch of stuff, all the, some of the things I just listed right now, we are not doing that right. Let's do this differently now. And because of those pivots, our company was able to survive and adapt and pivot and do all the things that we did. But on a personal front, I think we also, those changes were really hard to manage. It's like very quick and a lot of people involved and just painful to keep everything and everyone afloat. Also, I decided in the middle of all of that, that I wanted to get pregnant and that it was time to like put energy towards something else besides just my work. And as a 35 year old workaholic, like that's a big deal. And that was a major change for me, but a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I think too, and again, I don't, I I really don't want to take away from the tragedy of the pandemic because it was absolutely horrific, but I do think I found gifts, you know, I found gifts in the pandemic, just like you mentioned, it, it really did force us all to slow down and take a look at right here and life is short and 
is this what I want to be doing for the next exactly however many exactly years and even though the pandemic is for the most part over I think it's important that people carry that on and that we don't just like slump back into status quo what it was pre-pandemic it's like no 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 there's never going to be a what was before it's only what is now going forward and how you want that to look and what are you going to do about your future chapters how are you going to mold that like at the end of the day I always say like you're driving the life car Mm -hmm. yes other things are like being pelted at the car but you're driving that car and you can't forget that and so you get to take it down whatever path you want to take and if you're not happy do something to change that situation period a thousand percent do you see Headley and Bennett becoming like the future of like, like an essential kitchen company where it's like, absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, I, again, I'm so excited about the fact that I've alongside the team been able to survive such hurricanes and get it to a place where it's now not in my own hands Mm -hmm. right now. It's in the hands of a lot of really smart people and that we are on track to do lots of other things that are really exciting all with the support and help of our community. And that's like, first and foremost is our community. And then it's like listening to them and then bringing them things they want and and continuing to do that. And that is so special. And I'm like, never going to lose that because you can't lose that love. It's just too special. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this out there. I would like to see maybe some entree bowls. <laughs> okay, I'll tell the product development team. Um, wine glasses, maybe what like water glass. I'm a big fan of just like a nice, like standard water glass. I'll, you know, I'll write, I'll write a list. Yeah. Yeah. Send me your, your needs. Perfect. But I do think, I do think you and I are very similar in, there are certain things that I like in the kitchen where, whether it's an entree bowl or flatware or a water glass. And I look for that specific thing that like, that's what yeah. I want. my mind's made up. And if I can't find it, I'm then I become a freak about it. Yeah. Well, you just wait till you use our knives and our future cutting board. You're going to love them because we put the same insane level of like testing and product development into it that we did with our apron and quality is the number one description that people use when they get a heavily amount of product. So you're going to love it. Okay. No, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for a chef's knife because I'm all about a good sharp knife. Um, I do Also, wrap- the utility knife is pretty great. We have a little five-inch knife. Oh, okay. And then we have a knife. So it's a set. It's a trio. Um, I recently read um, Anthony Bourdain's book, like, and I know I'm late to the game, but he was talking about knives. And he was like, yeah. come on, people. You just need one. You just need one good yep. one, which I tend to agree with. But I'm uh, somewhat of a whore in the kitchen, and I want all the things. Your little hoarding lady. Yeah. They bring it all in. Like I want, I need, I need 18 knives. And if five of them are the same, it's fine. Um, (laughs) no, I'm super excited to try the knives. So, and congratulations. And I didn't even say that. That's incredible. Oh my God. You're so, you're amazing. I'm super excited for what's next too with Headley and Bennett. Um, I'm going to wrap things up because you've had a long day and I want to respect all of your minutes, but this came to me right before I logged on and I wanted to just ask you because I think we could have fun. Total random questions. Tell me. Pens or pencils? Pencils. Shut up. No. <laughs> I love a pencil. I love that you can erase. Mechanical or 
old school? No, uh, I really like the old school ones. The ones with the green erased top and or the green metal around the top and the very yellow mm-hmm. pen mm-hmm. or body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't think that I could I could like you anymore, but I do. Do you know <laughs> they have erasable pens? Did you know that? No. What? <sighs> EB. Okay, I'm gonna send you some. Okay. Here's a purple one. They have this little top. What? No. Yeah. yeah, hold on. They also have this is my go to. I can't believe that. So it's uh four. It has the four different colors. Oh, I've seen four, but I didn't know that that was erasable. That's crazy. And it for sure it erases it? Um, I'm a weirdo, like it's not gonna erase it all the way. It's gonna leave a mark. And it does. No, it does. Wow, that's impressive. So I'm just okay. saying I love a pencil too, but I use pens for certain things and then pencils for other things because I'm a freak. Um, but I'm just saying oh there God. are erasable pens. I love that. Um notebooks. Do you have lots of notebooks? I do. And I go through these like phases where I need to change out the notebooks. First it was moleskin. And then it was like another one with spiral. And mm-hmm. uh, and then I start another one. Then I lose one. And then I find the other one. And it's just, a, oh, that's nice. This is my that's podcast nice. notebook. It's a moleskin. I love it. See, that's great. And I, I love carrying that sucker around and writing all my little dibby dabs in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paper planner, digital planner, or both? Ooh, I used to be a devout paper planner person. And then I discovered the joys of the Google Calendar app on my phone. I'm pretty committed to that now. The Google Calendar app is fantastic. But I also have this other app sidebar that I love called Things, just things. Like Mm -hmm. those are things. It's kind of like a to-do list, very organized, but not all the like stuff that comes with a lot of these like to do organizing calendars, like whatever they're ever note, et cetera. It looks like an iPhone notes screen. So to me, it's just very basic and simple and really freaking easy to use. And I love it. So I'm a big fan of things. Okay. I'm total weirdo. I use both. I have a paper planner that I love. Oh, I like that. That's not weird. That's just I put things awesome. in the digital planner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I like scribble ideas and notes I have on paper and then I like transfer them in and then I have too many notes and then I just focus on one and then I go back to both. It's confusing. Um, what's <laughs> you know more- what? Whatever floats your boat. I, totally. Absolutely. I have a friend who probably goes through 20 different planners a year. Different. Wow. There and you she's go. like, here's the best new planner. I'm like, you said that last month. I, oh my God. I'm not listening That's to so you. Funny. Um, what's more organized, your fridge or your closet? Oh, my fridge for sure. For sure. Yep. My fridge is my closet. Let's call it what it is. And for those who are listening who do not know Ellen Marie Bennett, you will see her incredibly, disgustingly, perfectly organized <laughs> fridge on her Instagram. I it's like But very functional, not just cute. So jealous. Very functional. Super functional. I love it. Um, okay, last one. Do you have a junk drawer? Yes. Is it organized? No. Or is just all your shit thrown in there? You know what happens? We shove all of the cables from all over the house into that drawer. So it's just like a knot of an X radio shack. Like it's one big spaghetti ball of cable. Yeah. I went out and and bought bamboo organizers for the junk drawer. I need to do that. I'm a freak. Oh, my God. I'm a freak. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's just the right thing to do. Um, 
Thank you so much. One final question for you. The last time we chatted, we totally bonded over your answer to my final three and all things food and drink. What do you crave? And it was spaghetti and meatballs. Is that still the same? You know, I have had so much spaghetti and meatballs since the last time I talked to you. Yes. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Definitely still spaghetti and meatballs. Okay. And the spaghetti has to be Definitely al dente. Like, al dente, don't fuck it up. Buttered, salted, and yep. peppered. So it's a little like right. cacio e pepe yeah. meets meatballs. They did something dirty. And then yep. there's and dinner. Then. Boop, boop. Dinner. Um, Alan Marie Bennett, I know you've had a crazy busy day. So I thank you so much for carving out 45 Aww. minutes to chat with me. And it was just- You're amazing. Nice to thank see you. Thank you for having me as always. Nice so to see you. So fun talking up. to you. Sending you gigantic hugs all the way from the East Coast. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, friends. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Glose. Today's episode sponsored by Tap and Vine 559, the place to eat, meat, and drink in Southern Oregon. You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.